God's building his church. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 46, remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. This is important, this part. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. From the east I summon a bird of prey, from a far off land a man to fulfill my purpose. A man to fulfill my purpose. I summon a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that will I bring about. What I have planned, that will I do. Church, God's building His church. He's building it through you. Lift up your eyes, Isaiah 60. Look about you. All assemble and come to you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar and your daughters are carried on the winds of revival. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth, the wealth, the wealth on the seas will be brought to the church. To you, the riches of nations will come. Foreigners will rebuild your walls and their kings will serve you. There's a story of Ezra, Nehemiah, and, and, and the kings, Cyrus, actually helped rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, helped build the temple. Lord, we are believing that you are sending the wealth, even from far places. You are sending the wealth to build you the church that you have ordained that you have a purpose in your heart, even from the beginning, when you prophesied over this church, when you prophesied over this house through men of God, you declared, my purpose shall stand, my will shall be done, my kingdom shall come unto this place, unto this hour, unto this people, my will shall be done. So, Father, I thank you that, and I'm getting to this, that God wants a house. I'm looking at that building. It's looking at, at me through the gaping hole of the tent. And uh, it's looking at me, beckoning me, saying, finish me, finish me. And, and I believe we're building it. It says, in, it says in Joshua, we're building a house for his pleasure. I think it's there. We're building a house for his pleasure. Father, we're building a house for your pleasure where you can meet with your people, humanity. Humanity that needs God, that needs salvation, that needs healing, deliverance. And look, this is the most noble task you can subscribe to in your whole life. And your minimal service is to worship God. Your minimal service to God is to worship God and give to God your tithe. But one of the most amazing revelations that you can get to your heart is that when you believe the church is a very very important concept idea plan of God to bring reconciliation to bring redemption to our land to even change the weather patterns 
for good so that it rains, so that it's not drought ridden. I believe the church can do that. I believe the church can stand and stop the tide of, of, of darkness, of sin, lapping up murders and, you know, youth, youth um, going wild like they are in England at the moment. They're bashing people and they're killing people outright. <laughs> Praise God we haven't got that here. But I believe the church can stand and bring redemption. And what we did today was sing anthems of praise and anthems of deliverance and anthems of change to our society. That's what we will do. And that's why the youth are flocking to the church. They know that the church can bring answers. It can bring change. It can bring reformation. And there is a church now and there is a people of God that are putting the brakes on. They're putting the brakes on to the, to the, the world going mad to the world coming apart in immorality and debauchery and sin and murder and sickness and, and they're saying enough's enough we've seen it in our parents we're going to stop here we're going to give our life to Jesus we're going to serve him and he will give us power not only to acquire wealth but he will give us power to pray to stem the tide of darkness in our world in the great nation of Australia if you only knew what's happening in America that you know we have these funny concepts that America is like the Brady Bunch and it's all Pleasantsville but there's a real there's a real there's a calamity uh, there's a there's a there, there's, there's, there's a degenerative a decadent a horrible a wicked backdrop in ghettos, in the best of towns, but. And the church in America is beginning to wake up, praise God. And the churches and the people of God are waking up and saying, enough's enough. We've got to pray. We've got to ask for forgiveness. We've got to come back to God because America is built upon the foundation of a Christian constitution, the government. I think how many out of the 50 men of God, uh, out of the 52 men of God, what was that, uh, uh, that man, he used to quote it in the song, Carmen, uh, 50, out of 52 that, that arranged, that, that, that formulated the Constitution in America, there was about 50 that were godly men. One, Webster, who could quote chapter and verse, the Bible. And so, Father God, we are standing in this place today believing your church can bring healing, restoration, deliverance, prosperity, healing, well-being. Father, we pray for it now. We ask for it now that, Lord, that you'd help us with fresh revelation to understand that serving the church is the best thing we can do with our life, that giving to God for the sake of the church is the best thing we can do. Lord, let your church be strong for it and let the people of God understand that they are blessed in it. You could say that this part four of um, possessing your inheritance and possessing your inheritance has been a great series. I've been listening to it back on the last week. I purposefully went line by line to, so that you could hear it on the internet and it is fantastic, some of the stuff that is being said. But 
God, God is restoring your, you, your life personally, um, but individually, God is getting back the, the fruits of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, and all that great stuff that you should have emanating from your life. God is getting that back for you because, because now you've got the power of God in you. If you're born again, you receive the Holy Spirit into your spirit. So your spirit, your soul, your body, your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions... But your spirit has been impregnated with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And it's there like a flame. And depends how much oxygen you give it. Depends how much you fan into flame that, that life of God in you. You become impassioned for God. Or you become sort of um, maybe another version which is a little bit uh, compromised. And, and that you want, you may be formulate your own life a little bit of God but a, a little bit of me and a little bit of this a little bit of that and, 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 and one of the great things uh, and I just got a thought there one of the great things about being a Christian is that you can have confidence to be who you are and walk out that life because oftentimes people live a dichotomy of life which means there's a little bit of them a little bit of uh, knowing God loving God fearing God but whatever and then there's this part and, and we do this in school whatever my friends want me to be and so the chameleon, uh, you know, like a chameleon uh, happens, which means that you change colors everywhere you go. You're in this environment, you change colors. You go to that environment, you change colors. And there's, play, there's, there's role play. Don't get me wrong. There's role playing in life. I believe there is role playing. There's a time to be assertive and to outwork your role in your business, in your sports, in, at home, being a dad. Too many dads abdicating being the dad. You know what I mean? Dad, would you stand up and take and deal with this chaos, deal with this kid that's out of control? And there's time to outwork your role, amen? As a businessman, as, as a God man, you should have been here, men, worshipping God. There's a time to do that. But there's certainly not uh, giving license to you to change up and trespass against your convictions when you're out working your life and where you suffer in silence when the jokes are flying, the bad jokes, the mocking of God. And God doesn't want you to go along with that. He wants you to stand for righteousness. He wants you to stand as a confident believer in God and be who you truly are. And if you need to walk out of a situation, walk out on it. And if you need to say something about something, say it in Jesus' name. Amen? And say, actually, I love Jesus. So if you might, there's that guy got arrested in Brisbane and said said Jesus was a and you wouldn't believe what the word was he got arrested because there's a band that says Jesus da, da, dip, beep, beep. so this guy was just walking down the street but constable so-and-so who believes in morality of life and is, as a standard he said no way son come over here your, your t-shirt you can't wear that in public you, you can't do that in Australia trust me come here and, and Julie arrested him, took him down. And, and so he was arrested, praise God. And I said, where'd you get that T-shirt, son? He said, oh, that's a band I, I listened to. Um, he said, that's that terrible word, son. He said, we're not going to allow that to, to get the, the people, young kids, mothers and fathers to walk through life and see that horrible stuff. Jesus, you know, we've got we to honour him. Even if you don't believe him, we still honour him. So... You know, life is very, very, just tidy up that thought. Life is about standing. And that's what I like about growing up. I think by the time you reach 40, 
you actually just get used to yourself and who you are. It's a great thing, you know what I mean? And you go, well, this is me. Uh, and you're more willing to present yourself, I think. I think being grown, who's with me on that one? You just go, well, this is me, man. You know, got a few gray hairs and, uh, you know, things are not worked out real good in the, in the fashion, but, uh, you know, and uh, I got, you know, this wrong with me and that one. But you just stand and, and you, because when you do and you get confidence in God, he, he, he begins to create in you this ability to stand. Uh, in, in who you are, God creation made in the image of God. And you just like yourself because the Bible says, you know, if you, uh, uh, if you can't love yourself, you can't love anyone else. And, and you've got to love yourself. I know we used to get teased for that in school. Oh, you love yourself, don't you? But actually, <laughs> you love yourself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I would have said yes growing up in school, I would have got flogged. <laughs> this kid loves himself because I had long hair and... and uh, you know, but the um, Bible says you've got to love yourself. Love God. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. Love yourself. Why don't you treat yourself to, an, to, to something nice, a good meal? And uh, some people, you know, they treat their lives. They dress themselves up just like, the, you know, the, the, they, you're royalty, but you're royalty. It's been said that there are three kinds of people in the world. And, and so... What, where we're going to go is going to be great. So let me just say these couple of things, dreams and visions. We're talking about rise and build, amen? So, look, this church has always been fairly, you know, passionate spiritually in God. Uh, and and you, you watch, if you tap into the latent power that's in this church, which is the, the altar, which is, because that's one of the first things they established, you know, uh, God's people was the altar because that's where you needed to sacrifice and have your sin forgiven. And then they built they built the temple around the altar. So the first thing was established was the altar. And I'd like to think that this church established the altar by all the prayer that it did and by all the soul searching and the and the inner healing and the the deliverance. But the real passion in seeking God and loving God, the altar was established. So let me say to you that. If you tap into the latent power in this church by maybe getting into the worship, you know, extending yourself in praise and, 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 and really going for your high calling, uh, you know, you will find some extraordinary dynamic of, of power in the life of this church. And see, church is created by a mandate. It's a church is not here by reason of a good idea. This, and we're going to tease that out this morning. And it's probably the only thing we're going to do is tell you that this, this church was ordained by God, that it was commissioned by God, that it was mandated by God. And praise God, Julie found an old diary. Thank you that Julie was doing some cleaning and she found a diary that actually, and I'd forgotten all. You know how you forget about whole things of your life? I'm embarrassed some of the stuff I've forgotten and some of the good stuff. And so, you know, uh, praise God for diaries, good diaries with good stuff in it, not, not diaries that are... But uh, praise the Lord. And so... We need to look at maybe before we go into the real guts of the rise and build and what we're trying to do with that building, let's look at the noteworthy stuff of where the church came from and how it was birthed. Would you like to hear that? Amen? Yeah. Praise God. Give the Lord a hand right there if you could. Praise God. And then I'll tease it out with just some, some good principles of, of building which is about Nehemiah. Who liked the story of Ruth and Naomi last week? Wasn't that great? 
next time I can do it, I'll do it, I can do it even better. And I want to do it somewhere. So if you're a church out there that wants to hear that story. But that's a story about redemption. Yeah, that's a story about redemption. And it's so fantastic, the crazy thing of, of Ruth laying a head down at the feet of, of Boaz uh, was a crazy thing, really. But sometimes God wants you to do a crazy thing uh, in getting intimate with God and getting, you know, cute with God in the sense of coming under his covering, come, coming, coming under his covering and getting that intimacy with God. Because that's where it's at, folks, including you men. It's about getting that real childlike faith in knowing God in a very personal, very personal way. Who can say amen to that? Dreams and visions. So we got a vision. We had a dream. It has been said that, and you've got your notepads and your Bibles, I believe you have. It has been said that there are three kinds of people in the world. One, there are those who never seem to be aware that things are happening around them. Two, there are those who ask, what just happened? (laughs) Three, there are those who make things happen. And, And get this, change will always upset people who are content to be stagnant but that shouldn't stop you you should be known for your vision and so this church is known for its vision and i just wanted to tease this out uh dr miles munro he says this and he quotes another man actually john stuart mill one person with vision is greater than the passive force passive means did you enjoy the movie that was all right did you enjoy the meal? That was okay. Oh, I hate that. I like Andrew when he eats at their house. This is great. What is it? Sausages. Oh, this. What is it? Mashed potato. Take it to the trophy room. Yeah. I love that. And I think that's why your dad, who's now the Lord, he used to love cooking for me. Because usually when I did eat, I was very hungry and every taste, I think I just got extremely good taste buds because I don't use salt and everything. Oh, oh, and I make, and I don't realize it, but I make noises, you know, oh, and I, and I go into a zone. Don't try and talk to me when I'm eating. Just some people can I can't do that. So... I didn't eat my lunch all in primary school because I was embarrassed to eat in front of people. So when I eat, it's, it's very, very, very slow. And, and, but I like people who can talk around it. Don't get me wrong. I don't want the t- all the table quiet. I don't like that either. I like people who can, who can talk and just leave half their meal. And, and, and I don't care about that because you know, I'll eat the rest. <laughs> One person with vision is greater than the passive force of 99 people who are merely interested, merely just interested in doing or becoming something. Most people have an interest in their destinies, but they have no passion or drive to fulfill them. They don't really believe the dreams God has put in their hearts. If they do believe them, they don't do the things that will take them in the direction of fulfilling them. Yet that is what separates the people who make an impact in the world and those who exist on the planet. The church gives vision. It gives, it gives vision individually and it gives vision to you corporately. So what we're trying to do as a church is give you vision to be more Christ-like, number one, amen? That you can be a contributor, number two. And I'm just guessing some of these. That you can like yourself, number three. 
that you can be an influence, that men, you can be a voice. Do you know why our council is just about up for re-election? And I had the mayor personally say to me, we need men of integrity, women of integrity that can be a voice for this community. Do you know what I'm saying? And we need people to stand up. So church is really about you uh, finding out who you are as your inheritance and, and working out what you can do in life because you've only got a certain amount of life from here to there. And, and, and you want to sh- do some shaking and rattling and rolling. You want to do some moving and shaking, as they call it in the business world. You want to move and shake. You want to advance. You want to clear back. You want to bring in good, clear back darkness, bring in good. You want to reinvent. You want to, you want to regenerate, rejuvenate. Who likes, who's into the renovation stuff? Who likes to renovate? They see something. Oh, God, guy over the road at the moment, he's been three days sanding something. I mean, I feel, I'm starting to feel sorry. Every time I go, he's still sanding. What's he sanding? I don't know. It must be large. It's, uh, uh, I don't know, but he likes to renovate. Some people will sand for weeks. I can do some sanding, but not for weeks. I like to renovate, but too. And so if you've got a vision to renovate, but usually the church has a vision to build. Build your life, to build and grow your life. Hopefully with a new Christians class that's going to start at Brett's house, uh, the Christian essentials, that you people, some of you great new people, are going to be built up into Christ, who is the head. Actually, Christ is the perfect embodiment of humanity, of mankind. And the Bible says that we grow up into him. That means that we shed stuff that is accumulated or, or sort of perfected in our life through bad living. And then as we ascend, as we are perfected into the image of Christ, we become more Christ-like. And that's a good thing. I mean, his virtues, his character, his attitude, and his amazing effect on this planet for who he was and what he did was amazing. If we could get another Jesus if we could get someone even close to him, man, we'd have this planet saved, blessed, rocking for God in no time. Because what's life about? Life is about colonization. Amen? Life is about colonization. And that's what church is about. We're colonizing Tugra, Wyong, with God. We're influencing. We're in the school. We're in the business. I've got a very important meeting with someone uh, very soon about having a, a big business meeting in, in this town. You know what I mean? And we're in the school. And the school guy needs more, uh, more subscription of, of someone who can commit to that financially, by the way. If you want to do that, give to that. That's our chaplain in Wyo High School. A nominal account. Is there some... Um, is there, give, have we got one of those... Um, not the... Uh, but the, the, the money boxes. Tin. Got one of those? Yeah, there it is. If you want to take one of these, I said I'd give this a bit of a... Yeah, oh, it's full. Oh, someone's brought that in. Oh, okay, won't mention the name. No, no surprises, but... Um, your loose change from your washing machine, uh, from your shorts, from your uh, stuff, in your... Sitting on the floor. You know that 20 cents, it just sits there perpetually. You, know, you can't get to it with a vacuum cleaner, so you just push it further into the corner. Uh, all, that, all that rusty... Or, or the coins in between your seats of your car that when you spill coffee in them, you just don't want to touch them now. I've got 
two $1 coins that have just got coffee stuck and I just don't want to touch them. If you've got those coins, give them a wash, pop them in. You know what I'm saying? There's money everywhere. There's money everywhere. Can you get that back to the right sources? Uh, <laughs> that's great. And so we have vision. Listen, um, let's get to the good stuff. Phil and Julie moved into Wyong, 85, 86. And uh, we bought a little house on the river, a little cottage. Beautiful little spot. Thank you, Jesus. And two years into that, because I was working so much, I realized where I was living. I went, gee, because we went to a nice big church over at Terrigal. And I said to Jill, boy, you've seen, seen the people around here and felt the atmosphere. Now, this is, goes back before this town got completely overhauled by God. Uh, and I think if some of you long-term coasty people would know that Wyong was known as a bit of a dark place, a bit of, bit of a hillbilly place or something. I don't know what gave it that bad, bad name. But um, I said to Jules, let's move. Let's move. Let's get over with our friends to Terrigal. They're, they're nice friends, all nice homes. I said, uh, we could do that. Let's do it. And a lady who is Robin and Dave, they're not here uh, this morning, but Robin visited us. Uh, one Saturday morning knocked on our door and said, got a word for you. This is 88, 89, 88, 89. Said, got a word for you. That's Robin before she was married. Robin Jones. She's part of this church now, all right? So Robin figures in our life and the life of this church tremendously. She doesn't mention it much, but she visited us, knocked on the door Saturday morning, and she said, God's got a word for you. This is a mission field. Don't think about leaving, because I think we're already starting to say to friends, we're leaving, we're going to come over here. Why look for a mission field when there's one in your backyard? That was the word she said. Why look for a mission field when there's one in your backyard? So we stayed. We felt like then that God was up to something. We saw a great need in Wyong. We saw it, but all the, all, every weekend we'd travel from Wyong over to, over to Terrigal, go to a nice big church there, and, um, and that was Coast Life now. It's called Coast Life. And uh, it was the biggest church on the coast back then. And so we would travel every weekend and we would come back to Wyong. Uh, but in 87, things started to change up. Uh, and then by 87, 88, we started to get this hunger to see a church and to see something happen uh, as an expression of God in, in Wyong. We thought it could be done. It was through us. No way. No, I wasn't putting my hand up. But in 1990, I was called to Bible college and I went to Bible college for a year and... Um, and I thought, still, uh, learned something about God, but still, I'm not the man. I'm not the man. But there was a man, and I'd, I'd forgotten all about this, and I, wanna, I just want to let Julie maybe, I hope, Julie, are you right too, maybe? Yeah, because she can read her writing, <laughs> which is good writing. Don't, I didn't mean to say it like that. But bless the Lord right now, as she mentions, and, and, and again, we're recording this, so that we can record it and people can listen to it on the internet and it needs to be heard. Jesus, Jesus. Is it on? Hang on. Hang on, hang on. It's everywhere off. Praise God. Okay. All right, Graham? Yeah, so we just found this diary and at the time um, our church over in Terrigal had said, well, do you want to start a home group in your house? We said, well, we can't lead it. You send some leaders over because we're not real good at this stuff. But you can use our little house, a little two-bedroom cottage. 
And so they sent over one of the associate pastors to run a cell group or a connect group, whatever you want to call it, or a home fellowship was in those days in our house. And we were thrilled for this because it was the only thing that was happening in Wyong that was of any power source. You know, there was no churches that were flourishing. There was nothing happening. And so Phil and I would go up to Chapman Hill Lookout and we would pray and we would knock down the satanic altars that were up there and the, the pentagrams that were there. We would approach council and ask them to wash them out and we would go up and just cover that place in the blood of Jesus. We'd do fasting, 40 days fasting on water I did once. Phil did another one. And we would fast and pray, fast and pray, God, send someone, send someone to this place. Whoever you send, we will serve them. Send them, Lord. Send someone to start a church in this place. And so David started, this friend of ours, who was one of the associates at Coast Life, or Christian Life Center, Central Coast, back in those days. He came and started this cell group. Now, this cell group began to flourish the minute it started, it was just was flourishing. And the very first time that I prophesied was in this cell group, and I've got notes about it here. Isn't this amazing? God gave me a word for somebody, and I was really excited about it. And it's you know, just the early stages of us growing. But on this particular day, it was the 4th of the 8th, 1990. Miss Julie was about four, three. She was about three. Jesse would have been at two. No, 90. Oh, you're six. Okay. <laughs> okay, do the sums. Anyway, and uh, so we had three little kids and a tiny two-bedroom cottage and this tiny little lounge room where we would just pack these people in. And so this is what I wrote in the diary on that day. Tonight, David and Deborah dropped in. David began to talk about a church in Wyong. He said that we had had the burden for this area for so long now, three years. It's a long time. Three years is nothing. But back then, three years was a long time to be praying for something to happen and not see it happen. He felt that God was saying that now was the time for a church to be birthed in Wyong. We said, great, David, we'll be with you. No, he said, no, I'll be with you. What do you mean? What do you mean? And he said, I believe God is calling Phil to pastor this church. And I will oversee and stay with him until he is ready. Well, Phil didn't know what to do or say. For me, it was a confirmation of what God had been saying. I guess it was for Phil too, though his thoughts are so personal and private and he is so humble. I'm so proud of him. Yeah. (laughs) Um, David's going to talk to Mark, who was one of the other pastors at our church, about it. Guess we'll just wait for a confirmation. The word God gave me fulfilled two years ago is coming to pass. It's like a jigsaw puzzle all coming together. 1 Timothy 4, 12 to 16. It talks about don't think little of yourself because you were young, but you know, step into what God has given you through the laying on of hands. And I just put it on, I love my husband more each day. Oh, that it? Yeah, there's more, there's more, but... I mean, there's pages of the unfolding of it, how we went to found a hall. and. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we found that hall. Yeah, we found a hall and it burnt to the ground. We the went, to sh- went to show it to the, our, our older lady friend. Yeah. And it was literally burnt down. The next day, it burnt to it the was ground. Like, 
we kind of thought, okay, maybe it's not God's timing. <laughs> took us another six years after this prophecy to even start the church. That's right. That's, That's right, right. To even start. But it started from that house, didn't it? That house. Yep. That's right. And the guy that extended our house, dear Christian fellow, built, major builder on the yeah. coast, he actually, um, we actually said, we, we want to extend the house because we don't have the room for all these people. And he, and he said, look, I've got some time at the end of the year. I'm going I'm to help you guys out. And he came like a tornado, him and his building mate, and they totally put a whole new extension on the back of our house, yeah. which is where we had revival meetings in the early 90s. So it says... On the 15th of the 8th, 1990, it says, Home Fellowship was just amazing. Our numbers increased by five to nine. And it talks about all the people. And prayer was mighty. And again, the fact that we were on the right track was confirmed by people who knew nothing of a church. The words that came through were, God had prepared the ground and now was the time for the foundations. This is a new day and a new thing that God was doing. Don't look back, but look forward. We were standing on holy ground. Take off your shoes. For from this day forth, this house will be declared holy ground and God will dwell here in all his glory and nothing could stand against his work. The need for an extension on our little house is obviously urgent. I have given it to God and I know he will provide. If the church is to start here in our house, we need more room, God. Amen. It was Praise fantastic. God. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you did. He, he certainly came. So 1990... Um, they invited me to go to Bible college during the day at Coast Life and it was full-time, had to leave work. And then at the end of that, and that's where I started at Mount Penang, doing night shift, doing college during the day. And, um, but I got this prophecy at the end of doing that and it says here, we had an incident where a young man in our street, uh, had he was healthy, living life to the full, and then he disappeared and we found out he'd got a tumour. And... Um, Boy, it was a it was a it was a situation, uh, and and we and again I'm trying to push people to pray for this guy, and people are saying it's you, Phil. You go pray for him. You go pray for him. And so we did. We went down to Sydney, uh, and we we saw the white light of the Holy Spirit come around the car on the way to Sydney. That was a powerful thing on the F3, and I'd been awake all night doing uh, shift work, and here here we were going to St Vincent Hospital, where this young life, this young boy, unrecognisable now in the throes of death and uh, we went down there and boy but he ended up back on the coast and we took this uh, minister that was coming through our church at the time an evangelist we said would you come we 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 yeah they got saved that's right we went down to st vincent we we laid hands on him and the, the mum and the dad and him couldn't talk now couldn't talk to the place now where he couldn't even talk the three of them wept their way into salvation in that ward it was a powerful thing and um and so now, a week later, we find out he's at Wyong Hospital and we're at, at the church again. A minister comes in. He seems like he's talking big and he's got miracles at his disposal. We say, can you come? Would you come? We take him there uh, to this place. And, of course, he's even worse now. And as we're laying hands on him um, and, and pronouncing the name of Jesus over him, he, he rose up. He rose up and, and, and just went... And then... And, and just passed away. Uh, and, and we were... That was our first miracle. Yeah, we were shattered, to be honest. 
we were shouted. The mum, the mum in the ward literally went, he's going to be with Jesus. He's going to be with And just literally tore out of the ward into the hallway where all the family were. And, and, and the minister, who seemed so strong, he was like, well, that didn't work. <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying to, this is not happening. This is, is this the, and, and, and we literally just whimpered out of the, whimpered out and, and, and we consoled ourselves outside in the car park and said, well, well, at least he's out of the death throes of agony, literal agony. I've never, and, and, and I believe now to this day that that was divention. Uh, just to resolve that, it was intervention of God. He was in the death throes, agony and, and bless his soul. But God intervened right there and just took him. Angel said, that's enough of that. Thank you very much. The saints are praying intervention in Jesus' name. And the boy, when he first come up, the preacher said, has he done that before? But as soon as he said that, he just bowed out. He just went like that. And it was like the eyes went up and he saw, he said he saw Jesus. It was just literally like he came up, eyes open, and I believe he saw Jesus. And so I said that to say this. So I've done Bible college now. That's already happened. And, and this man of God says this over me, Phil, there is a young man in heaven right now who would have gone to hell because you were obedient and went in to minister to him when he was dying. That is an incredible, powerful thing. Your greatest ability is to hold people and to comfort them. God would have you never be afraid of the words to use, but, but go and comfort and to hold. You will have a personal rescue shop a yard from hell. You will have a personal rescue shop a yard. This is before even this this is four years before this church, five, six years before this church started. So, and it goes on. It's such a beautiful and simple thing that you do best. Never be afraid of the words. They'll come to you. One of the greatest attributes is the childlike faith, the simple faith in both you and Julie together. It's a fantastic thing because you're in a position that goes on. God wants to encourage you to reach out. That's, that's excellent. Some great stuff there. But this, now go forward. So in 96, we started the church. We were commissioned out. And we started the church in the school hall in Cutler Drive. And we started in a flurry of prayer and passion. Man, we hit the road running. We hit the road running. And that's why that church called Crossroads was always known as a church that was a wild place. It was because we were, we were desperate to survive, but we were desperate to see God do what he said he could do. And so we honestly believed everything the Bible said. Uh, we weren't tempered. We believed if we could lay hands on you, you would be set free. We believed, and people were being saved en masse. We had 200 people saved in a matter of 14 months. 200 people were saved. It was a, a, an awesome thing. Heaters are not on, are they? No? Oh, gee, is it still needed on? Still? Oh, the lady says yes. and that's uh, Now... We, we started the church. We go to this presbytery, which is where these prophets were now. So Julie and I are sitting in a, in a, a meeting like this with all these ministers up in Newcastle. And this man of God says, you, sir, and ma'am, would you come out now? And you sit down on a chair, two chairs, and, and, and they prophesied over us. Now, this prophecy goes back to 97. And it's, I think it's okay to say the name John Jacks, who's a, a very profound prophet who visited our church uh, once or even twice. And actually, his wife prophesied that we would be in this tent. She said, you will be in a tent. I see it. And the, and the, and the voice of worship will go out into the community. And, you know, 
have to say it, but we've been complained about our worship has gone out over the river. Uh, that, none recently, but when we first started, and when we first started to, to worship God, the sound would literally travel down the river and bless people, I'd like to think, bless them, and, and bless them in the suburbs. And that prophecy, and that poor dear lady has since gone on to be with the Lord too. But uh, this man of God says, enlargement and change, even change to the focus, change in that which I would bring about. There shall come enlargement of vision, enlargement within your heart, enlargement of that which I would, would do not only in the place you are in, but in those lands that I shall bring into your heart. Those things that I shall pour forth on your life, there shall come enlargement. You have said within your heart, we've felt these things in days gone by. We've seen little bits here and there, but Lord, it just doesn't seem possible. It doesn't seem like it can be uh, come about, but there are days that you shall find a new dimension of faith within you, your hearts, within your lives, and you shall speak unto the people of God and they shall rise up and not worry about that which seems so large, but that the Lord God omnipotent, he is capable and he will bring it to pass. Even so, as you begin to grip your heart and life, as you begin to grip your heart and life into these things, which I would speak unto you in those days, there shall come a great release and a flowing into the house that you are not known at this point. There shall come a flowing, but in it shall not be by the great strife and effort, nor by the cunningness of your abilities, but it shall be by that which... The Spirit of God shall bring about for many will begin to see it in the Spirit and which the the vision would do that which the vision would accomplish. And they shall say in their hearts, we shall be joined unto that. I'm talking about vision. Remember, guys, we will we will take up the cause. We will be ones that will be part of that, for we see that it is going to touch the nations. It's going to touch the earth. It's going to enlarge that which is the kingdom of God. And there shall be an inflowing, says the Lord. And there shall be a strengthening of many, many shall come to hold your hands up when they get weary. You will find at times that you will find yourself even begin being so weary, my son, that your hands will literally hang down. And you will find ones alongside you they will lift you up, lift you up by your hand and you shall put your arms even over their shoulder and they shall take the weight of the hand and they shall be the ones that will be knit into your heart and you will find great strength in that as you lean upon them. For the Lord does not cause you to be ones that would walk alone, but he would bring you into strength uh, round about you and, that for, and he will formulate the team and there would be a strength in going forth. The nations, the nations shall be that which I shall put up into your hearts and which will be in the nations, even as the ones would say, be we, and goes on. But we need to touch this and we need to touch that. We must do something here in this place. So he's talking about us feeling like we've got to do all this stuff. You shall not focus on that which I have not told you to focus on. I will cause those places to be touched, even at times through your lives, through that which the house would do in this community. But the outward flow shall be to the nations. Nations, It shall be to those places that I shall bring you into focus on. Brother and sister, 
I don't know what God is saying, but if I was you in your shoes, I'd think this is no way to run a church. But it's God's way. God's saying some things here about the focus and to look to the fields, to the fields, to the fields. And it actually goes into stuff about Julie, daughter of the Lord. And I, the writing's so fine, I, I'd like to actually read that. But I'll just read a little bit of that and I'll struggle with it. Daughter of the Lord, in those days of coming, there shall come transformation with your heart. And even that which has been deep within you in days gone by shall once again be replumbed. You have said, Lord, I'm doing the best I can, but it seems so shallow at times. I've said something much deeper in days gone by. I'm doing it, but Lord, help me get down to that place I've seen before. I shall plumb you deeper and deeper and that you have not known before. I shall cause there to come a flowing of life that you have not known for a time and a season. Sister, I know that we literally have seen you up there singing, but it seems... It seems to me in these days gone by a song would come forth from the depth of your heart the people just began and it goes on it's it's i think it's some personal stuff there jules that you do well to read it's amazing and actually it's probably prophesying uh, about what you're going through now so time is spent but i sent this rise and build letter out which basically said that we're ramping up in this next three four week period and what a tremendous effort forty five thousand dollars we've taken towards the $80,000 pledge. That is actually uh, very, very good. But we're actually going to go for about $120,000 pledge for next year, which is in four weeks. But once we started to build this church, and I'll just give you this quick rundown for, for some people who just need some of the word. Man, we were faced with all sorts of stuff. And look, when you get vision for your own life and vision for a church, there's always things that come against you. It's in the same as business. It's the same when you're training for the Olympics. It's always the same. When you get impassioned with vision, and when you've got to have passion, but to push through everything. And Nehemiah was a guy like that. He was a, he was a guy that was compelled by, by compassion for the city of Jerusalem. And, um, and, and he, he cried out. And Ezra already had allowed the temple in Jerusalem to rebuild. So get this, God's people have been taken captive from, from uh, Jerusalem to Babylon. Seventy years, Jeremiah prophesied. Then they realized, hey, we're only got to be here 70 years. So Ezra, the priest, he brought a certain amount of people that would come with him back to Jerusalem to rebuild. Some people stayed in Jerusalem and those people fell into the idolatry and stuff. They were never taken Babylon only took the best of the people, like Daniel. Daniel, this extraordinary young guy. He, he was taken and others were taken. All the cream of the crop were taken to Babylon. But what was left was people who couldn't build, people who couldn't hold the fort. And the walls around Jerusalem, which were these major walls, were in disrepair. Even the city gates where all the business was done, typically in the cities back then, all the business was done at the city gates. Uh, documents were signed and decisions were made at the city gates. The city gates were burnt. And so Ezra had come back 
with a company of people, 700 mile journey across a desert. Get that, 700 mile. Now, do you want to go rebuild uh, God's church uh, back at Jerusalem? 700 mile journey across the desert. Any takers? Put up your hand right now. So he, Ezra, Ezra, the man of the word. You Bible students, remember, Ezra is a man of the word. They reckon he's the guy that put the Bible, the Old Testament together, canonized it. Amen. Ezra, the man of man of the word who got up and preached the word for three days in one story in the Bible. But he came back, started to rebuild the walls. And then, you know, the people fell short of that. Not the walls, the temple. People fell short of that. But then Nehemiah, here's another man of God. He's governor, cupbearer to the king. And he's sad one day. And the king Cyrus, who's an ungodly man, says, what are you sad about? Uh, Nehemiah, he says, I'm sad about my city, Jerusalem. It's in ruins. It's where I come from. It's what my God, my God says the city of Jerusalem should be the best place on the planet. And it's in ruins. I mean, his heart really groaned and was burdened with this situation of God's people languishing in, in non-productivity. And they were, you know, they were just, just doing hard yards and they weren't a company of, 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 uh, you know, royalty. They were just vagabonds in a desert of a place called Jerusalem. So here's a guy called Nehemiah. And Nehemiah uh, says to, and then the king says to Nehemiah, what are you sad about? He said, I'm sad about. He says, look, Cyrus says, look, go take some people, take some stuff and go and rebuild these walls for goodness sake and get a smile on your dial. Amen. So he does the 700 mile journey. Here he comes, here he comes. And straight up, he begins to get mocked. Now, we're making a comparison of what happens in the life of a church. When you try and build a church, Nehemiah, we cried out for a church in Wyong. We cried out for a church on the coast that would be absolutely ablaze for God, in passion for God. We're not interested in... Some people used to say to us, why don't you do this for church growth? Why don't you do that for church growth? No, we want God. We want the intensity of God. We want the unbridled passion of God. We want a company of people who love God, not just this safe existence of, you know, just chilling out in their, in their salvation, but chilling out in compromise of, of, of not, you know, doing some great stuff for God, but we want a people who want to do great exploits. We want a people of God who will build a large influential church. And we had these extraordinary people. Look at Bruce there. He used to travel hours upon hours from Lithgow to get to this church every weekend because he, he felt called to be a part of this church. And we had people coming from all over Sydney, Newcastle, all over the coast. But there was always a people that would stand with us. And that's how we're sitting on this on this land, we had faithful, committed people that gave their finances. And I'm talking finances because we can worship God and do this spiritual stuff forever and a day. But it comes back to people building. And, and Nehemiah got his people together and they started to build. Now, let's go through this quickly. Chapter one, the problem, the walls have gone, you know, the walls are burnt. They're just crumbled. And, and Nehemiah, he wept and prayed and repented. I'm about three minutes away from finishing. This is quick. Chapter two, count the cost, survey the land, start rebuilding. He did. Immediately after that, immediately after he started to build, guess what happens? Who's ever heard of Sam Ballard, Tobiah? And there's another fellow there. I can't remember his name. Sam Ballard and Tobiah mocking God's people. We've been mocked. We've been ridiculed. Who do you think you are? You know, we've had all sorts of ugly stuff. And that's what was happening for Nehemiah. Then verse 220, the God of heaven will give us success. There's a great, there's a great scripture there that God will give us success. 
Chapter 3 talks about teamwork. Chapter 4, verse 2 to 4, doubt. They started to doubt their ability. They started to get discouraged. Can we finish the building? Can we finish this? Can we build the church? There is always that. But they prayed again, prayed, and, and Nehemiah was a man of prayer. And your pastor is a man of prayer. Nehemiah prayed, and he prayed. And I love that. I can really get some, you know, consolidation of, of faith out of Nehemiah because he was a guy that prayed. He prayed to our God and posted a guard night and day. He had people praying and he had people building. So there's praying and then there's building. Amen. And so he did. In chapter 4, verse 10, there was weariness. And of course, verse 12, there's fear. Verse 14, Nehemiah encourages, do not be afraid. And I'm saying to you now, do not be afraid. Give what you can to this rise and build. Give to God. Give to God all that you can. Don't be afraid to outgive. You cannot outgive God. Whatever you give, God will give back to you. Press down, shaken together, runneth over. It shall, I've seen it time and time again. Chapter 4, verse 14. Ah, no. Uh, there's a scripture in chapter 4, and, it's, and I've got it there, but remember the Lord, it says. God said through his word, remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your daughters, and your wives. This is about generational blessing. This is about our children's children. This is about the future of a revival, of a, of a massive awakening, of a, a revival of Australia where they need a large church. Do you know what an American company approached this great nation of Australia in the early 60s and said, we will put a six-lane highway from Brisbane to Melbourne. And you know what this great, wonderful nation said? Forget it. We'll do it ourselves. We'll do it in our own time. We'll do it with our own technology, in our own resource, in our own good time. Thank you very much. Well, guess what happened? Accidents and bus accidents in Tari and, and, and billions and billions and billions of dollars of people's property reclaimed. They finally realized that they needed to put that six-lane highway in from Brisbane and they did it to the expense of people's taxpayers' money that just blew the budget. And that, all they wanted, the American company, all they wanted was 10 years toll. But that was too much. And so what I, my mindset is, because life is about mindsets. My mindset is about serving God. I've brought my whole family into this. I'm building a church with you. You're the company of people just like Nehemiah had as a team. You are the company of the people that God has chosen to help build this church. Build it with prayer, but healed it, build it with the practicality of giving and giving your time, your talent and your treasure. Amen. And so that's what we're about. Now, um, the enemy's frustrated now. Verse 4, chapter 4, the people worked with one hand and held a weapon with the other. I love that. I, I love people that can build with one hand and, and fight with the other. They've got the Word of God. They've got the prayer. You see them in the prayer meetings. You see them giving. You see them giving. You see them loving God. But here they are, serving on the door, serving coffee, doing all that stuff. Praise God. The work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other. And the work was so big. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, that's the clarion call right there. Chapter 6, don't be sidetracked. Tobiah and Sam Ballard were coming to nearby and said, let's just talk about this building of the walls. Look, you're wasting your time. But we want to talk about it. Uh, you know, come away. And he says, I'm not coming away. I'm not coming. I'm not being distracted. And we've got to be so focused at this moment not to be distracted. But Nehemiah, what he did, he kept focused, kept in passion. And 51 days later, it was a sheer miracle of God. It must have been because the surrounding peoples and the nation said, my God, they actually rebuilt the walls. 
And how they rebuilt the walls, by the way, as, as a little history lesson, they didn't have wheelbarrows back in those days. The walls had crumbled. They would literally pick up the boulders and they would place them in these hammocks, these leather sacks on people's back and place them in the... Uh, while the guys stood there, they would place a boulder in this hammock. Andrew, you ready? Stand up, buddy. You're back in Nehemiah's day. Okay, buddy, we need some rocks out of here. So here's this, here's this satchel, a bit like this. Isn't this a great idea? This guy makes these uh, satchels. He picks up the leather from blown truck tires on the highway and he sells them on eBay for hundreds of dollars. Isn't it great? I love people with business ideas. Isn't it great? Satchel on the back and, and, and then boulders in the back of that and no wheelbarrows. Thanks, Andrew. No wheelbarrows. And then he would walk the boulders off the work site. So this was hard, arduous, oh, sweat, oh, toil. That's what it takes to build a church. You know, it's great. You can sit there and just think, oh, this is lovely. But there's a lot of work in fighting devils of poverty, fighting devils of mockery, accusations. And then there's a people that serve faithfully and give their hearts, give their finances, give their life. And it's all for rise and build. Let's all stand. God bless you. The accusations, the fear, the intimidation. Chapter 6, verse 9, But Nehemiah prayed, Now strengthen my hands. Father, strengthen our hands right now, I pray. Nehemiah prayed. He was a man of prayer. Strengthen my hands, O God. Strengthen the hands to give. Strengthen the hands to serve. Strengthen our hands. Chapter 6, verse 15, The walls were completed. The walls were completed. And chapter 7, verse 3, The residents called to be guards and watchmen and they were they were put in their right places we're going to see a church man we're going to see this church well equipped well well positioned for the future we're not going to allow we're not going to allow the the poverty or the or the limited faith of a mindset that says there will be never a day where we need a six-lane highway the vision i have for this church is for australia to be saved for a massive revival for a great awakening and it's happening already, folks. It's happening already. People are coming to the church and they're going to give their time, their talent, their treasure. This is the most worth. This is the high calling of your life to help build the church. You just don't come here and appease God through something called religion. It's not that. This is a team. This is an army. This is a people of God that have given their whole lives, not only to God, but we are believing the church is the greatest institution on the face of the planet. Father, bless everyone with a greater revelation of the vision of this church. Lord, you have mandated this church. The prophecies declare it. The prophecies speak out. Even still now, men and women of God spoke over this church. They prophesied over this church. They said that this church would exist and this church would be here. Well, friends, welcome to God's plan. You are in the very moment of God's will for your life. I bless you and I anoint you. May the scales come off your eyes to see the vision of what this church can do for this community and the nations. Father, I bless every person in this place and anoint them with fresh vision to believe and rise and build. Lord, we're praying that the, the foreigners, the new people would come and others would come and help rebuild this church. Build.